Welcome to What I See, the podcast where we uncover the stories of visionaries, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore the big ideas and challenges shaping our future. And now, our hosts Mark O'Donnell and Lewis Schiff. Hey, Mark. Good to see you. Hey, Lewis. How are you? Good to see you. I see that you're not uh, by an orange band of color, so you've left the undisclosed location and you're back to earth. Yeah, I'm in my home studio today. Fabulous, fabulous. Let's get right to it. Mark, one of the things we want to do here regularly is talk about the things that we think are on the minds of visionaries, innovators, entrepreneurs as they build their business. And it's so tempting to talk about the big stuff, the macro stuff. So that's the economy and the world. And of course, at the same time, it's also a challenge to say, okay, yeah, but what does it have to do with my business? I sell widgets. But there are some huge things. After all, we saw such huge things happen in the world with things like the supply chain screw-ups over COVID, and, and you could just tell these things matter. It also led to this strong shift that partly came out of the Trump-era policies of trying to get China to be a little bit less of our economic partner and maybe bring some of that stuff to America. And all these things start to wind together. And even if you sell a widget in Paducah, you know these things are starting to matter in our daily lives. So talk a bit, you're a great reader and studier of the world around you. So Mark, talk a bit about what you've been watching lately and thinking about, and tell us whether this is something you're scared of, or this is an opportunity or what? I think in general, what I've long said that is very direct, a little bit off-putting, and I think it's totally true, is that there's no recession for the capable. Okay. If you have tremendous capability, if you are opportunistic and you take advantage of what is in the marketplace in front of you, as most entrepreneurs do, recession, depression, it doesn't really have that much of an impact. Now, you could certainly become complacent in your success. You can become complacent in what products you're providing your customers. And so I think in those cases, people who've become a little bit complacent, who aren't really paying attention, the idea of recession and deglobalization, and even economists are predicting a great depression in 2030 for quite a few factors. And so I think the real question is to the degree, how do you prepare? How do you navigate those types of economic conditions? Yeah, so that reminds me of a, piece, a body of research I've seen, which is the uh, basically how competence wins no matter what. And that at any given time in any industry, something like 20% of the companies are truly operating in their competence and the rest are less than competent for one reason or another. You could look at it by revenue per employee. You can look at it by profit margins, all these different ways. But because in every industry, there's a small number of highly competent operators and they seem to do really well. And then there's everybody else. Is that something you've seen? I think that's exactly right. Because the saying that you don't rise to the occasion, one does not rise to the occasion, you sink to your lowest level of training and preparation. And that all speaks to capability. And to the degree you can be adaptable, to the degree that you are truly adding value and not riding a wave, riding the coattails of other organizations, and we see that now in tech with all the layoffs that are occurring. If you happen to have a computer science degree from a pretty good school, you're hired. Now, were you really productive? Elon Musk comes in and he lays half the people off and or more, however, they, however many they'll end up with. 
when the, the Microsoft is laying off, really Apple's the only one at this point, I don't see layoffs. But this is just a, a situation in which capabilities are really what matters, not status, not history, not what's on your resume. It, you have to actually produce. Now, you mentioned Apple and you separated them out from the others. Are you with a straight face saying that this company, this huge company, I know everyone loves Apple, but this huge company doesn't struggle with the same incompetence that, let's say, a Google or a Facebook had in its ranks? Uh, if I was a betting man, and I totally am because I'm an entrepreneur and that's what we do, they would 100% suffer for it. And they just haven't gotten there yet. Right. There's <laughs> to too the much money at the bank. Making big layoffs. Yeah. They just yeah. have too much cash. And culturally, you never really want to lay off a ton of people at one time because- Unless you're Elon Musk. Yeah. Because then he does this for show, I'm pretty sure. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then what in the scheme of things, tell us about why you think China, China matters in all of this. I think China is a little bit ahead of the curve on the demographic collapse. So we heard this past week that they've lost last couple of weeks, they've, their population has declined and it's very much one child policy has led us to this. People wanted boys mostly and 30 or 40 million missing women in the China economy. And so when you have any economy that relies on taxation to then redistribute that wealth via their Medicaid in our, in the U S but social policies, you, you really just end up with this entire Ponzi scheme collapsing. Yeah. And so you, you have missing workers, you have people who were getting goods and services from the government, the government can't produce them. And so you just end up with this very strange, very weird collapse of the demography that Foxconn and speaking of Apple, who's Foxconn creates most of the iPhones, they're just not going to have workers to do the jobs. And so you're going to see the way I would predict that would affect people in the United States and globally, really anyone who's relying on global trade for China is you're just not going to have access to the things that you used to have access to. To drop in GDP when the population drops, pretty much our entire modern economy relies upon a continuously growing population. When that's not happening, bad things happen. So uh, whether China becomes Japan or not, who knows? We're not that smart. But <clears throat> you just need one of those countries where that's happening. So if they talk about India now. They say India is one of those countries where there's more babies than there are people. And therefore, it looks more like China from some 30 years ago. Yeah. And I think in an economy where there's more babies than there are people, the replacement rates 2.1 per female. And I don't know what the birth rate is in China, but it, or in, I know it's in China, but not in India. Hopefully it's more than 2.1. And then you go to the United States, we're at 1.7 ish. And so we also will start to see the population decline. And that's why a lot of economists are predicting a great depression a massive Great Depression around 2030. It's really about aging demography, the collapse of the social support structures, increased inflation, debt ceiling. We see the debt ceiling being hit yet again. Yep. The last oh. couple of weeks, you just end up with an economic collapse. So, and so, how did that doesn't scare me? That's an opportunity in a lot of ways to be more prepared as an organization, continuously increase your capabilities, always be on the lookout, taking advantage of as much as you can. So to me, it's just an opportunity. It's not really something to be 
completely fearful of. Talking about doom and gloom and the death of the world as we know it, I want to bring on our special guest. <laughs> yes. Tommy O'Donnell, can you join us? There you are, Tommy. Thanks for joining right. us here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'll point out in the interest of full disclosure that there is the same last name shared by 66% of the people on this podcast right now. And that is because Mark and Tommy are brothers, brothers from the same mother. <laughs> and uh, and so, of course, Mark and Tommy have that. And I've known Tommy as long as I've known Mark, which dates back to the Inc. Business Owners Council where we all met. Yep. Right. Thanks for joining Thanks, us, Tommy. Tommy. Thank you. Mark, and I, we were, when Mark and I were talking about getting ready for today, Mark, I, we were talking about issues like demography and economics. And he said, I got to bring in Tommy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what do you have in mind? I'm not quite sure. I've been known to have bad ideas from time to time, <laughs> yep. which Tommy knows better than most. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, in all seriousness, from the perspective, Tommy is a global digital nomad, if you will. And so I'm really curious from a perspective of deglobalization, right? People are bringing in to remove the supply, China from the supply chain. They're, the United States is starting to become a little bit more isolationist in that way, as are a whole bunch of other countries. And you live in a bunch of countries. I always say, where's Waldo? That means what country is Tommy <laughs> in or what place? But you travel to Test these- in the waters. Test and see if you like it in case the apocalypse <laughs> happens. It's like, is this safe? That's right. <laughs> yep. So from your perspective, you live in El Salvador, at least part of the time. Which part? No one really knows. I'm not sure <laughs> you do either. What do people talk about there? What are their... So, are they... let's see. So if I knew the language, I'd be able to answer that. But <laughs> <laughs> So you, you live in a country, you have no idea what anybody says. Right. right. He knows what El Baño yeah. means. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, that... So El Salvador is still looked at as a third world country, right? So they are traditionally more resor more resourceful in terms of how they create their life, right? So that would be looking at the products around them. So if I want to set up a store on the side of the road, I get a bunch of bamboo. I make a makeshift stand and I dump my coconuts there and sell them for a dollar a piece. Right? So in other words, if you always live in the Great Depression, there's no de Great Depression for you. You don't really notice it. <laughs> you don't really notice it. But that, that coconut stand, I'm just curious, that gets put out there on the road, is the government in any way, shape, or form involved in permitting or health or taxation? Is anybody, is this part of the economy in any way other than money circulating? Money circulating, no, no. They'll go into their into the jungle. They're typically their own land, but then they also share. So if I have a bunch of coconut trees and you have a lot of coffee, we might trade. Still barter. And yeah, yeah. People that part of the world, of course, Central America is very familiar to America because we hear. And I just know I'm in New York City, so very far away from a border country. But uh, we but hear about Central America is already in New York City. That's true too. But uh, we hear about people obviously wanting, desperately wanting to get into America, being willing to do almost anything to get into America. And we hear about them coming from not so much Mexico anymore, but essentially El Salvador and Honduras yeah. and Nicaragua. Is that, so what are they coming for? It's the mindset. It's always the American dream, right? But the American dream is not shining as bright anymore. So, the, and I think that's just only in comparison to their own opportunities in their own country, right? So their current president, Kelly, is giving them a future, 
right? Showing them okay. that it is possible to create that American dream here, right? In your own country, one that you're familiar that's, with. Well, that's propaganda. It's what he's telling them. Is it working? Is it true? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Meaning, so there's meaning a, that there's, there's less pressure to go north? Correct. Yep. Yeah, and I live in on the west side of the city, San Salvador, and you wouldn't know the difference from living there or in Dallas or obviously with within certain neighborhoods, right? But aided communities or restaurants, I can walk to a sushi restaurant down the street or get some Thai or go to the coffee shop and hang out and whatever it is, right? You can create whatever life that you are wanting in terms of luxuries. If you're the Where's Waldo of capitalism and you have found, have you found, I know you found yourself in El Salvador partly for family reasons, but is it for economic opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of opportunities from cost of living, lifestyle, And at the moment, I would say, so they have a lot of call centers and a lot of their economy still comes from, their dollars still come from the U.S., but if you're generating money from the U.S. economy while living in El Salvador, it's pretty good. Yeah. Then it's just a matter of, can you, let's say you're not crossing borders, right? What does it look like now in such a small country? How can you generate that kind of wealth? within your own borders? I don't know. That's not something that they have to do at the moment. I, I want to ask questions. So I may get this all wrong, but I have the sense that Mark is the, he stays in place. Mark, I think you still live in the same state you guys were born in. Is that accurate? Or not were raised in largely? Yeah, largely. Yes, yeah. we were, Tommy may be a digital nomad now, but we were actually nomads growing up. Pennsylvania is the home Pen- state. Yes, I've been in Pennsylvania a long time now, yeah. And so Tommy is the nomad. So it's one of these like studies, not quite of twins exactly, but of just two people who share DNA. Marcus stays put and built his life there. Tommy, what are we to learn from you and to learn from the fact that you didn't stay put, that you keep moving? And, And tell us, give us a sense of the frequency of these moves. So permanent moves are uh, few and far between, but I guess that it's whatever your definition is from Pennsylvania. I moved to Dallas seven years ago and we experienced Texas and then said, let's keep searching. Let's keep experiencing different things. <laughs> and, to uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty flat. Yeah. It's, a, it's very different, of course, from the Northeast as a whole. But then, yeah, we just said, let's uh, what, five years after that move we decided to experience another country being El Salvador. And we had that advantage of my wife being from El Salvador. So it was easier for us to integrate and not only just going for the sense of visiting, I tend to think majority of people go to these countries and try to do the resort thing. But there is, we just like to experience the everyday living, right? So we got the kids into school. And so last two years have been experiencing daily life of El Salvador, right? Yeah. From the school system to everything. So is it for the purposes of finding the perfect place for your, you and your family? Or is it no. just, it's just all real? about experience. All yep. about experience. Yeah. So right. we feel like we're good. 
right? I'm thinking probably June we'll be back in Dallas and then reset and say, where else do we want to go? It, 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 we were started out by talking about China a bit. Is China or Asia on the plan? No. That's just too far and too far away? No. It's not. Yeah, we need freedom. We'll start with that. But yeah, we just want to, I don't know, that's not, a, that's not high on my list. I wouldn't totally cross it off the list, but it's not high on the list. I feel like I want to do more in countries before that. When I had a young baby and I was, I live, I live in New York still, but I was living in Manhattan at the time. And we got to know this couple and he was very wealthy and he had decided he wanted his young daughter to be raised in China because China was the future. So he was like a hedge fund manager type of guy. So in theory, he could work from anywhere. Mm -hmm. He picked up his family. They moved to China. And he said, I'm doing this solely because my daughter will be inculcated in the culture and the language and the network. And that'll give her entire career kind of direction. I don't know what happened to them. Of course, they went off to China and everything. But the idea was, and it really speaks to the birth rate that Mark was mentioning earlier, is that our children would do better in an economy in a country that's thriving. And the West and the U.S. is going to struggle because of our birth rate and demography is destiny and a lot of things like that. I'm super bullish on the U.S. economy. We could talk about that. But, oh, for sure. but yeah. just that that's fundamental issue of demography. And so I'm just curious why, or I, I guess you already answered it, but why in the search for the bigger, better opportunity, you wouldn't even consider the place that arguably has the biggest, better, biggest and best opportunity in the world. Being China, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like just the way, the way I'm assuming, right? Because I've never, I've never lived there. I visited actually for work when we were in the pharmaceutical industry, went to Northern China. We had a project actually in Wuhan. And uh, Unrelated. Does not live in infamy at all. Yeah, really. <laughs> insert, joke, anyway. insert joke here that uh, yeah. changed the world. <laughs> yeah. But the way they operate. Yeah. By the way, as a side note, we, Mark and I haven't talked too much about all the different sort of jobs we've held in the past, but he did give me an inside look at how vaccinations are made. That mm -hmm. was not pretty at all. No. Shocking. Probably depends on which one, but none of them are are Pretty. awesome yeah <laughs> yeah 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 i th i think just the to answer that it's the way they operate where process and procedure completely go out the window so i like to i i like to we'll call it wing it sometimes but when you're just completely ignoring all cautions uh, to oh, safety yeah, and human just, life <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Yeah. The, the quality but, of their products, the, I don't know, like when you're actually there and you get a plastic toy, it's a chemical ball. It's just such poor, I don't know. It's yeah. hard to explain it, but it's cheaper. yeah. I think also. a good example when we were, had that project that Tommy's referring to is for a pharmaceutical manufacturing <laughs> business and everything there is meant to be made out of 316L stainless steel and it's to protect things that get injected in people, right? So you don't contaminate the human. So you order all this 316L stainless steel to build this facility and it shows up as galvanized steel, which will kill you. Wow. And they're like, 
There's no problem here. It's cheaper. It's the value of human life. I did have a long conversation <laughs> yeah. with uh, somebody from the Birthing of Giants community who's a manufacturer. And he, we had a long talk right when things were happening where people were saying, is it time to bring manufacturing, serious manufacturing back from Asia to America? And he said, as is intuitively understandable, he said, everything is way more expensive to do in America, partly because of all the controls and all the environmental regulations you have to follow. So he said, there's no doubt that factory would cost a ton more in America to do the same thing. However, and that's all designed around keeping people safe primarily. However, he said, we also probably would automate the heck out of everything. And so instead of having 500 people do it, we'd have 50 people doing it, which is where it does get cheaper. But you have to still build that factory. You still have to build that very expensive, automated, very safe factory. This seems to be like the struggle we're having, right? That we could attract manufacturing from overseas into these highly automated factories, but the expense of just starting them up is just, even for huge companies, seems to be insurmountable. Yeah, there's a lot of capital expenditure that would need to go into that. But you say about being bullish on a country, I'd be, to me, China is not going to be a country as we know it in 10 years. They're going to have to invade Taiwan just as Russia had to invade the Ukraine because they're essentially starving to death and they have this demographic and resource collapse that they have to take care of. And you look at labor in Mexico, Mexico has a much younger demographic. So there's working age humans there. (laughs) It's cheaper. And so they're more educated, cheaper and younger than China. And it's, in proximity, much closer to the yeah. United States, which without have, the safety regulations, without the safety regulations. But so if I'm bullish on any in the future, as we look from now until 2030, where maybe we can avoid a great depression, maybe we can't, you're really looking at United States and Mexico specifically everywhere. And then you have France and maybe Turkey People who can create their own food, they have good agriculture, they have all the resources necessary, they have the education system, and they have somewhat savable demographics. Everywhere else is screwed. (laughs) Wow. It's only about, oh, I don't know, 8 billion people that you're just captured in the everyone else is screwed category. You got a billion where they're in good shape. (laughs) It's good relative to where we are today versus where things aren't going to be getting better for them they'll be measurably so did the o'donnell family get together and they were like okay look let's keep mark in the north we'll send tommy to the south and then this whole idea of mexico being the future they'll work it out between them they'll just meet in the middle somehow that's right like a scout i'll just uh, check it out first see what they got and all that you know tommy i'm going to send you off now with a mission which is to come back and join us again and make sure that you let us know how that part of the world is operating and how people who have decided that opportunity is opportunity, even if it takes them to places like El Salvador and educate us. I know for sure, I'm sure I fully misunderstand how delightful and lovely it is to live in a place like El Salvador. You need to come and visit. We'll be your tour guides and have a great time. We're going to do this on the road. All right. Sounds good. All right, Tommy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. See you guys. Yes, sir. That's it. That was the introduction of Tommy O'Donnell of El Salvador to the world. Yeah. And who knows from where else next? (laughs) Now, what would O'Donnell be in El Salvadorian? O'Donnell. (laughs) O'Donnell is like the Irish Smith. Our ancestor had, by all accounts, he's one of the original nine 
members of the Irish clan <laughs> and he had 1200 children and so yes has an american o'donnell ever left ever picked up stakes left the u.s i mean your family o'donnell yeah I mean, they ever oh. said we're gonna because obviously you came from ireland to america yeah. as many as we all did and i uh, have a prison ship oh Australia. nice to know <laughs> not me that's still that actually makes sense and then <laughs> tons of sense <laughs> and then you and then tommy picks up stakes is it is he the first o'donnell from the american diaspora to actually pick up stakes and go somewhere else yeah it's telling it's not telling but it's just interesting right when like someone says i'll actually have more opportunity outside of america or that you've sold your business and you have more money than you care to know what to do with and you just go explore the world yeah, well, that does make sense, too. That makes <laughs> that sense. That doesn't too. hurt either. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Mark, we're just feeling our way through this podcast, but yeah. one, how do you think it's going? And let's put this out there to the world. And two, what do you think we should be looking into in the future? Where are we? In terms of the podcast, I really think that we have an opportunity to bring visionary entrepreneurs here, have conversations about what those concerns are, what are you thinking about, what is keeping you up at night, and you and I sharing what is keeping us up at night and how do you position your, your organization and your future in such a way that you, your future is always bigger than your past. Very cool. And uh, Mark and I are putting our feelers out now that we've got a little bit of the tech stuff under our belt, bringing on some new people. You'll see some of our friends who are, Mark and I are very lucky to have some pretty amazing friends who are super accomplished and super visionary. And uh, will give us a few minutes of their time to tell us what they're working on and what they think. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It'll be fun. All right. Well, thanks, Mark. Have a great weekend. And thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Louis. Thanks for listening to another episode of What I See, where we explore the stories of the visionaries shaping our world. We hope you found inspiration and insights from our guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and continue to be a part of the conversation. See you next time on What I See.